Um, let me pray and we'll get started today. Father, thank you today for the opportunity to share your word with this, these great people. Lord, we thank you for those that are joining us online today. Lord, we thank you for your blessings, O oh God, today in our lives. Thank you for opening our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive the message you have for us this particular day. God, we thank you that every bondage, every addiction, every stronghold, every foul spirit, oh God, is gone, is cast out in the name of Jesus. God, their work of the enemy is broken off of our lives because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross. We bless you and we honor you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would, say amen. 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 All right, so we're talking about freedom. We're talking about being set free. Uh, the Bible says in John 8, 36, whom the Son has set free is what? free indeed. Who the Son is set free is free indeed. Uh, you know, sometimes people are, they're, they're set free, but they're not walking in their freedom. Did you know, and could you believe it? Sometimes in some people, it's a choice. They choose to, to enjoy uh, things that are probably not good for them spiritually, but they choose because their flesh wants that, and they, and they yield to that. And some people do it just not knowingly. You know that? The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. They just don't know. They've never been taught that or they haven't read that. They don't understand that. But again, we have been set free. Our key scripture that we've been kind of basing this series off of is uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. It tells us that we no longer should be slaves to sin. We don't have to be. We shouldn't be. Again, the, the, it's been broken. Jesus Christ has set us free from that. Does that mean that we'll never sin after we, after we come to Christ? Will we ever sin again? No, we'll never sin again, right? I wish. But we do. You know, 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians. It wasn't written, uh, wasn't written to uh, people in the world. It was written to believers. And it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And not only that, but he'd cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we are going to blow it. We are going to miss it from time to time. And, uh, you know, the Bible says their sins, talks about their sins of commission as well as sins of omission. And the difference is, sins of commission is easy to remember because it's sins that you commit. We commit sins when we lie, we cheat, we steal, we do things, that we're committing something. Sins of omission, is, it says that like here in James chapter 4, verse 17, the New Revised Standard Version says, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, commits sin. So again, we knew, we knew we should have done this. We knew the Spirit of God was leading us to do something, maybe to help someone, maybe to give, maybe to sow, maybe to tithe, and we just decided we're not going to do it. Again, the Bible says sins of omission, we just omitted to do it, is uh, again, the Bible says that that's sin. So there's a, there's a big difference between, and this is kind of what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, uh, there's, a bit, there's a difference between slipping up and committing a sin and being a slave to sin. There's a big difference between them when we're a slave to sin. It's just something, that, again, that, that, that we do that we do. Anyone here that's ever, ever fought off or been addicted to anything or, or in bondage to something, uh, you know what it's like to be controlled by something. That thing, you've, you're trying to get loose of it, trying to get free of it, and it just, it just, it's got a grip on you. And the only way that you can get loose is for that thing to be broken off of your life. You know, things we're talking about like, you know, drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and pornography and, and just a litany of other things that there's, there can be a, an addiction to. Um, let, me, let me change gears because I want to kind of use this to show you something. Uh, have you ever noticed when there's, there's trauma in a person's life, uh, oftentimes that can lead to a bipolar condition? Have you ever seen that happen in somebody's life, a trauma happened in their life? Um, 
I've seen uh, many times and read stories where people have been um, raped or molested and later on they, they began to have a, a bipolar condition. Uh, this says this at the division of mental health. I, I wrote this down. I put it up on the screen. It said, childhood traumatic events are risk factors for developing bipolar disorders in addition to a more severe clinical presentation uh, over, uh, over time, primarily an earlier age at onset, an increased risk of suicide attempt and uh, substance abuse. And again, so that was, again, that's in uh, Division of Mental Health and Addiction Institute of Clinical. Uh, PTSD, have we ever heard of that lately? Uh, it's well known to commonly co-occur with mood disorders and bipolar uh, disorders. How many of you know that a person can be sick in their head, all joking aside, a person can be sick in their head just like they can be sick in their heart, just like they can be sick in their, in their kidneys, just like they can be sick in another part of their body. A person can be sick in their mind, in their mind, their will, in, in their emotions. And uh, a lot of times we've talked about this, uh, an illness can be a spirit affliction, a spirit affliction. Remember we talked about the, a little woman uh, who was, um, wasn't that little old woman with the issue of blood, the little old woman. This was a woman that had been, uh, she had been bent over like a hairpin for 18 long years. And Jesus healed her on the Sabbath and all the religious people gave him a fit for it. And he said, ought not this daughter, being a daughter of Abraham, ought not she be able to be set free on the Sabbath? And then remember there was uh, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus came down from the, the Mount of Transfiguration. They came to the bottom of the hill, and the other disciples, somebody had brought their, their son, who uh, a lot of um, scholars, Bible scholars believe, that had epilepsy. Um, and, you know, he, he would oftentimes, you know, have the seizures, and then um, the, uh, the disciples tried to cast that epilepsy out of him, and they couldn't do it. Jesus comes down, the Father comes over and tells him, tells him and I took, brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do this. And Jesus said, how long shall I be with you? When are you guys going to get this? When are you going to understand? This kind comes out not by, by prayer and fasting. And since Jesus lived a life of prayer and fasting, he was ready for the moment. And he cast out epilepsy. No, he cast out a spirit of affliction that was epileptic. Now, do not put words in my mouth and say, well, Pastor Rich said if you got epilepsy, you got a demon. I didn't say that. I said it could be. So that's the reason we need the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our lives. And they're available to every believer. Because there's those, those three revelatory gifts that reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. There's no gift of discernment. Somebody said, well, I got the gift of discernment. Well, really, you just got the Holy Ghost, and he'll tell you things. But the gift of discernment, what you're speaking of, is called the, the gift of discerning of spirits. And that's not just uh, angels. I mean, that's not just dem demons or evil spirits. You can discern uh, when, that gift, when you have that gift comes on you. You don't walk in it. Hey, let me just, let me see, Mom, I'm going to use the gift of uh, discernment, see if I can see any devils in anybody today. This intersection looks pretty good. Oh, I need to meet with somebody after church over there, that section. I just, I just perceive something. No, that gift, it doesn't just operate when I call it. Those, the gifts of the Spirit are when the Spirit of God manifests. We don't call those, whether it be a tongue, an interpretation, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. They are as the Spirit wills, right? 
So again, so we're talking about all of these things are fall. If sickness falls into the redeemed category, and anything else, possessions and things, falls in the needs deliverance category, and we got the power and the authority to do all of that, right? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now let me ask you this: In lieu of kind of what we talked about last week, did anybody this week did you did you did you uh, have a, a reaction of yours? Did you recognize a reaction of yours in? in a response to someone else's action and you started to say something something started to come out of your mouth but you stopped it and by doing by stopping it you shut the door to the enemy or you didn't give him an opportunity we'd rather say or if you did say something how many of you quickly caught it and said lord forgive me for that anybody besides me well good good for you and you others are lying no (laughs) no, i'm just i'm just kidding there's a lying devil come out no, but what do you do? What do you do when, when we stop that, when we, when we see that and quickly repent? And I'm telling you, that's a great thing that we can take away from the life of David, who was known after, a man after God's own heart. He was a man that was quick to repent. Quick to repent. When Nathan the prophet came, and what did he do? He pointed what? That long, bony finger at David and said, David, you are that man. You're the one. And David, he... Uh, Psalms, I think it's Psalms 51, is that psalm of repentance that David wrote. Lord, take not your sp- Holy Spirit from me. Create and renew a right spirit in me. And, uh, but, so David was quick to, re- to repent. And that's something that's, that's it's a godly character that we can develop is when the Holy Spirit or our, our own uh, human spirit, our born-again created human spirit, convicts us. When we do things or say things, be quick to repent. Be quick to, to change that. Have a change of heart, a change of mind in that. It's important. And also, be quick to, to forgive. When somebody does something, man, be quick, don't say, well, I'm going to sit and stew on this for about a week or a year or two years or five years, and then eventually I'll, I'll work on forgiving them. No, forgive them as just as quick as you possibly can with the love of God that's on the inside of you. Be quick to forgive. And let me tell you another person you need to be quick to forgive, and that's yourself. You need to let it go. Come tend. The devil, he's so stinking slick, he lures you, lures you, lures you for eating this brownie. <laughs> eat it. It's so good. No, I'm trying to eat right. I'm trying to be better. No, it's so good. This is, this, let this be the last one that you eat. No, I've had the last one last week, and I'm doing so good. No, I don't want it. And you go, come on, this one's got nuts in it. And you're not allergic to nuts, so eat this one. Okay, and you eat it. You filthy fat pig, look at you. He lures you, and then he condemns you. And then we just hate ourselves. I'll never get over this. I'll never do this. And that's exactly position how he wants to get in our lives. So I want, to, I want to do something today. I want to borrow something from a, from a passage of Scripture in the book of Zechariah. You've all read that book, right? Zechariah. You know exactly where it's at, Zechariah. If you go backwards from Matthew, we go Malachi, Zechariah. So it's the second book from the end of the Old Testament. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a vision that uh, the Lord gave Zechariah. And there were some elements in it that I want to borrow. And you'll understand what I'm talking about when I, when I get here. Uh, Zechariah talks about four horns. He talks about four horns in this vision. He saw four horns. And in the Bible, in the Bible, horns oftentimes, many times represent power, oftentimes tremendous power. Uh, and so in the passages, uh, he talks about these four horns that represent, and, and clearly what they do, they represent in here, uh, four nations that afflicted Israel 
and, and then God's judgment on these, on these four nations. So these four nations were the four horns. So clearly, I don't want you to think what I'm about to say is that. I'm just borrowing this example because it makes, it's going to make a good point. But he also, in this same prophecy, uh, this vision that he saw, he saw four craftsmen. Now, I want to come back to craftsmen here a little bit later. But again, and the, the, in the vision, the craftsmen, again, God raised up instruments of judgment to deliver the people of Israel from their enemies, from those four horns. So again, in light of our, our current subject that we've been talking about, about being free, uh, freedom versus possession, freedom versus being in bondage uh, against uh, demonic harassment, and our need, again, for deliverance of those things. So the Bible indicates, the Bible seems to indicate that there's four classes of demons, four classes of evil spirits, and we see this in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. So it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, number one, rulers. Against, number two, the authorities. Against, number three, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And against, number four, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And somebody might be thinking, you know, over the last few weeks, why are you spending so much time talking about the devil and talking about evil spirits and talking about all, all that stuff evil? Let's just talk about Jesus. Let's talk about him. But you know what? The reason that we talk about this is because the Bible has a lot to say about hell. It has a lot to say about demons. It has a lot to say about demon possessions. It talks a lot about these things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, so, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And the reason we're not ignorant of his schemes is because of what we have in the Bible. What it tells us, we know him. And you think of in the natural uh, a football team especially, you know, college level and, and especially obviously in, in the pros, they spend hours watching videos of their opponent that they're going to be playing the next week. They study their offensive plays. They study their defensive strategies. They study it. They know their enemy. So it gives them an advantage. So it gives us an advantage when we know. And we're not, again, we're not ignorant of, one translation says, as we just read, uh, his schemes. Another translation says, we're not, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of his ways. Satan disguises himself, the Bible tells us very clearly, as an angel of light, seeking to dominate believers who are unwilling or who, who just are not paying attention, who are just living in ignorance. Listen, these verses, verse 12, this third one, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, they seem to dominate, they seem to dominate Christians. Somebody go back here, I want to see if I'm going to say something. Yeah, I do want to go back and say something that I missed saying that I wanted, I want to make sure I said, when I was talking about knowing a person could be sick in their head, like they can be sick in their body. How many of you have ever heard of a man named Smith Wigglesworth? Man that was tremendously, tremendously used of God in the healing revival in the thirties and the forties, maybe even back in the twenties, but I know the thirties and the forties. Uh, I mean, thousands of people were healed under his ministry. 19, 19 documented cases of people that were uh, dead that were raised from the dead under his ministry. 19 cases of dead people were raised. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty strong anointing on an individual, wouldn't you say? Well, he and his wife, they decided, they, they made the decision that they're not gonna, they're not gonna uh, doctors and, and not gonna take medicine and stuff. And I'm not saying, well, you need to live like Smith Wigglesworth. That was their conviction. Okay, that was, they were saying, so I'm, gonna, I'm not, not going to do this stuff. You know, I've got this big growth that's growing on my thing, and it looks like it's cancer, but I'm, I'm just, I'm like Smith Wigglesworth. I'm just not going to go get it looked at. You know, I'm not saying that. 
You've got to find your own, own things. But that was their thing. Smith Wilkesworth began having trouble in his lower abdomen and with, believed it was appendicitis. And uh, he just ignored it and, and went on. And he was up preaching one time. And in the pulpit, he just doubled over with pain and, and passed out. And they had to take him off. Took him home, and uh, the doctors came, and they, they examined him, and they said that your appendix has ruptured, and it is spreading poison all through your body. And he was in extreme pain, and he said, the only thing that we could do, we could, we could do, take out your appendix, and, and uh, that would help with the, the, the pain, but the poison, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing, there's no medicine that can take that away. You're, you, you've got that. Now, Smith Wilkesworth, he would argue till till the end of time that there's no way that a devil could be in his body. Remember, we've talked about the difference between possession and a, a devil being uh, 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 in, in a body, not in your spirit, because the Holy Spirit is there if you're a born-again believer, and you know, your spirit, is not gonna, he's not going to share your spirit with anything else. But your body, again, we've already talked about the spirit of affliction, the woman that was bound for those we just mentioned a moment ago, the 18. So, but he would tell you there, there's no way. Well, this 82-year-old woman and her 14-year-old grandson came to visit Smith Wigglesworth in his home, laying in the bed, hurting like this, and stuff like I said. He, he wouldn't hear anything about, uh, wouldn't argue with them about the, that could be a demon in them, but they didn't argue with him. This 14-year-old boy, not the grandma, the 14-year-old boy jumped up in the bed, put his fist in Smith Wigglesworth's abdomen, and cast out the devil, and within minutes, Smith Wigglesworth was up got dressed. He was a plumber. He went downstairs to talk to his wife who, was, who handled their business. He says, is there any calls today for plumbing? And uh, she said, yes, here's some. He took the orders, went out there and went to work. His wife called the doctor, said, Dr. Smith has gone to work, da-da-da. He said, he, he, won't, he won't return home. He'll never make it. He'll die. He came back and lived on and kept preaching and stuff. He was gone. It was, it was a spirit of affliction in him. Amen? Yay, that's good news. <laughs> All right, so let me go back to where I was. I just need to, I felt like I needed to say that. So again, so we're talking about the evil spirits, again, that, that have a side harassment over you. Um, in the, da, 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 okay, I had to go back. So in, 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 in Zechariah, we see here, there's, there's six promises that, that the Lord gave them. And I see these six promises that we have in the New Testament. Let me just, just real quickly name what they are. The presence that he, that he promised was to Israel was the presence. How many of you know that we have a, pro, a promise of God's presence in our lives in the New Testament? The rebuilding of the temple. How many of you know that God will rebuild this temple? Rebuild our temple. Rebuilding of the city. Prosperous and blessed. How many of you know God wants us to prosper? God wants us blessed. Remember John said, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health. Third John 2. Um, comfort. Uh, by God's gracious promises. How many have ever been comforted by the precious promise that God has for us, especially the one about the promise of the coming Holy Spirit who dwells us now? And then they were chosen. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Praise God. So we see those same promises. And just because, just because they had those promises and just because we have the promises, remember, we have a better covenant than Israel did. In the Old Testament, the believers in the Old Testament. We have a better covenant established on better promises. It says that in the book of Hebrews. But again, just because we have those promises doesn't mean that the, the devil's just going to quit trying all of his harassments. We know that, but I'm just confirming it. We know that he, he continues to do things. 
He sends out his host of minions. Remember, he two-thirds, uh, no, one-third. One-third of all the angels fell when Satan left. One-third of the angels left with him. Those are his minions. Those are disembodied spirits that are looking for bodies, that are looking for things that they can possess. They would choose. They would rather have a, a human body, but secondhand, if that, they can't get that, they would take an animal. That tells you that cats are demon-possessed. Okay? You need to know that. Spirit, soul, and body. So again, so again, God shows him, God shows uh, Zechariah this vision of these four horns of resistance that came to, to hold Israel down. But Zechariah, Zechariah was also shown, I'm getting excited this morning. Zechariah was shown, again, these four craftsmen, which I'm going to come back to here in a little bit. But so, so let's, let's, let's give these four horns a name. And the reason I say it, telling you all this is, is this isn't what, what the vision of Zechariah, but I'm using their, this illustration of those four horns because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to name four spirits. We're going to give them these horns because these are four main evil spirits that really keep Christians down. So the first horn is this, a spirit of lack. A spirit of lack. The reality is that we ought to be hard workers. We ought to work diligently. We ought to be persistently doing good work. But listen, again, it should be our desire. It should be our desire to press on to the next level, to move more of God, to do more for our families, to do more for the kingdom of God. We press on. We keep pressing. Paul said, I press on for the prize to reach the high calling of God. He wasn't satisfied. Well, well I've, got 20, I've got 200 churches under my, under my belt. No, he was always pushing for more. One more soul, one more soul, one more soul. Pushing and pushing and pushing. Listen, when we desire to do more for our family, and God, this horn, this horn of lack is right there telling you, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. You'll, you'll always be at this level. And I know there's probably some of you in here, you've, you've had to fight, fight those feelings that, that there's just, you've gone as far as that you can go. You've done as far as you can do. Not only spiritually, <clears throat> but even in the natural. You're kind of satisfied where you are. You can go. Go to, go to the next level. Go on. Press on. Believe God for more. I'm talking about in your jobs and what you do. I've already reached the pinnacle. I'd have to come down to be the president of the United States. I'm a pastor. So I've reached that. But I can do more as a pastor. Listen, sometimes, sometimes he's so good at selling this mentality to us that we don't even think that God has anything more for us. That this is it, that we've reached all, this is all that God has. You lack whatever it takes. The second one is very similar to it, and it's the lack of, the second horn again is the spirit of limitation. The spirit of limitation, again, this is similar uh, to, to the, to the uh, what did I just say, the spirit of lack. The spirit of limitation says this, I know the blessings of God are real. I know that the healing power of God is real. I know the Holy Spirit is real, but it's just not, none of that's for you. Come on, I know, the, I know that there's been somebody that has been, you believe in God for healing in your body, and it just seemed like that, well, it just seemed like that it might be from somebody else, but it just doesn't seem like it's for me. Well, if you don't have to deal with it, I can tell you what, there's a lot of other Christians that have had to deal with that thing. Why can't I get healed? It must not be for me. Why can't I get the Holy Spirit? It must not be for me. It's that spirit, spirit of limitations. Listen to what it says in Psalm 78, verse 19. They... They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Verse 20 says this, He struck a rock so that the water gushed out and streams flowed. But listen, can He also give us bread or provide meat for His people? That's verse 20. I'm telling you, verse 21, God was ticked. He didn't appreciate that. 
God, the, God, I think, would rather have us doubt his ability as his um, uh, uh, ability as his. What's the word I'm, what I'm looking for? Willingness. willingness, yes. God is willing, but God is able. Listen, we need to lose that, that, we need to lose that can't, can God out of our vocabulary. When we're talking about God, we need to lose the can God do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says this, that God is able to make all grace, how much grace? All grace abound so that having all sufficiency, how much sufficiency? All sufficiency in all things, some things, no, all things, and sometimes, no, at all times that we may abound in every good work. Any, every, all, all, it's always with God. Listen, when we question God's, when we question his ability, we're speaking limitations in our lives. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If there was some way, some way possible that we could rewind and rewind and go back 10 years and see all the things that we said, I think that we would see that our lives have lined up exactly with where our words were. Man, what if we, I mean, what, just knowing that it ought to change the way that we talk. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, I know many of you have heard this illustration before, but, uh, you know, the, there was a, a massive elephant, and he was, I think this was somewhere in India, and uh, they, it was in like a zoo or something, and it had a, a stump there, and it had a, had a little rope. It wasn't a, wasn't a chain, it was a little rope probably, I don't know, two or three inches around, had us going around the thing and around the elephant. And the elephant was just walking around in a circle. And the people asked the trainer, they said, how in the world, why doesn't that elephant pull that and he could snap that? He said, oh, he could snap it easily. But ever since when they were little, they were chained with a, with a chain and they walked around the stump and they pulled and they tugged and they couldn't. So for all this time, then they, they just walked around and then this is the limitation. This is as far as they get. This is as far as they'll go. That so that they had the strength to pull it up, but in here that they don't. That's, again, that's the limitation that the enemy wants to get us in. The third horn is this, hindering spirits, hindering spirits. Have you ever tried to do something to help someone to, that you believe God wanted you to do, and it just seemed like you kept running into walls? You knew that God wanted you to do this certain thing to help them, but it just seemed like you just couldn't get there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul's talking. He says, because we, talking about Paul and his companions, said we wanted to come to you, talking again to the church at Thessalonica. He says, we wanted to come. Paul said, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. But again, we need to understand this also, that there's sometimes that God prevented Paul to go somewhere. Paul said, we wanted to come to you, but the Holy Spirit forbid us to. It, the timing wasn't right. So we need to discern what, again, when it's God saying the timing is not right, and other times when it's something that God wants us to do, but the devil's putting a, a block there. But Paul, he kept pressing on and pressing on and pressing on, and they finally, they finally made it there. The devil, you have to develop, you have to develop this, this attitude that, devil, you can hinder me, but you're not going to stop me. You're gonna, you, you, you can slow me down, you can hinder me, but you're not going to stop me. Proverbs 24, verse 16. Proverbs 24, verse 16. The Message Bible says this. No matter how many times you trip them, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Now, if I wrote that, I, I would have gotten in trouble. That, was, that just doesn't sound like good English to me. God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon, 
They're up, they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. God loyal, God's loyal, I'm going to say God's loyal people. That's hard for me to read that. God's loyal people, man, we don't stay down long. The devil may knock you down, but man, if you've got God on the inside of you, the champion's on the inside of you, we're not going to stay down long. We need to follow the counsel that, that God gave to uh, Joshua when he took over the baton to lead the children of Israel through the promised land. God told him, I think, four times, four times in five verses, he said, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And the last time he said, be strong and very courageous. We don't have to fear the devil. And the last one is this. The last horn is a devouring spirit. This is a spirit that, man, he, just get, he gets behind you. You've got one that's whispering in your ear that this is not for you, that you're not worthy enough, that you, you lack what it takes. There's one in front of you. He's jabbing you. He's trying to trip you, trying to, trying to get you to fall. And another one's saying you've gone as far as you can go. But this, this, this last one, this devouring spirit, he, he, uh, when you've made some breakthroughs uh, and you start seeing some victories, the devouring spirit comes along to steal your fruitfulness, to steal your fruitfulness that, that, uh, that God has given to you. You know, when you've spent your life and you're, you're, you've been helping someone, you're pouring into them, and you see them making strides, they're coming along, they're following God, and all of a sudden, you know, they fall down and, and they, they, they blow it and things, and that's, just, that's like just the enemy trying to steal that fruit of you. And you just, oh, they're never going to get it. No, then you just kind of go in and you keep going. But again, the devil wants to steal the fruit. He wants to steal those things. You ever feel like that you were just getting ahead? You were just getting ahead in some things, and all of a sudden the bottom felt, feels like it fell out for you. So remember again, remember Zechariah again, he saw in this vision, he saw these four horns, and there were those four craftsmen. Let me read this verse to you in uh, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 19, is where we see this. And, this, <clears throat> and I said, uh, said to the angel who talked to me, what are these? And he said, these are four horns that have scattered Judah, uh, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then verse 20 says, then he showed me four craftsmen. Now, let me read that verse to you again, verse 20 again. Let me read to you. I love this out of the King James because it made, me, made my eyes light up. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Four carpenters. Does anybody know of a carpenter in the New Testament? Woo! The Bible tells us that Jesus was a son of a carpenter. And I know that Jesus had some carpenter skills and probably came up in the line of his family business until his ministry, his ministry kicked in. What does a carpenter do? They build things. They restore things that are broken. If you have an enemy that's, that with their horn, man, and they're try, he's trying to press you down, you have a direct line to the carpenter. Mm, we've got a direct line to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll build you up so that you don't have to hang your head down. Psalms uh, 24, verse 7 says this, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory, the who, the king of who? The king of glory may fill you. The carpenter is greater than any horn. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world greater is he i don't care you can get you can get a million horns god is greater and the god lives on the inside of us we've got a champion that lives on the inside of us god can remove every hindrance that stands before us but we have to stand our ground we have to stand our ground the bible says that when it talked about those four types of spirits uh demonic spirits that, that we deal with there back early on when we read there in ephesians chapter 6 Verse 12, and it says, And when you've done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the belt of truth, your feet shod with the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the shield of faith. Having, having those things, stand, that's how we stand. And the enemy cannot make you fall. 
So all those things, all those horns, lack, limitations, hindering, devouring, the only power they have over you is the power that you give to them. Other than that, they have no power. How many of you have ever had an overwhelming, an overwhelming desire to, uh, in your life to love the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, just sometimes it just, it just, you have an overwhelming feeling of love and appreciation. Paul and I, we have this little, it's not a little game, I don't know what you call it, this little thing that uh, I'll call her up or she'll call me up. And, uh, hello, she says, hey, I just had an overwhelming feeling of love for you. Or I'll call her and tell her that I'm just going down the road and just thinking about you and just have an overwhelming feeling of love. And I'll tell her sometimes, I'll go home that day, I said, you know, I was driving, when I was driving to uh, Greensboro today, or I was coming home from Greensboro today, I just had an overwhelming feeling of love for you. She said, well, why didn't you call me? And I said, well, you know, I, I just did, did, couldn't, couldn't reach my phone. Or I, she said, why don't you tell me now? I said, well, it's gone now. <laughs> she says, well, I love you. I've asked uh, Pastor Jackie to sing the song today. And uh, it talks about the King of Glory. The King of Glory. And it says, I just want to be near you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be near you. I just want to be near you. And I'm telling you, I believe, don't, don't let them, this is the last song. This is where I close my Bible. This is where I can try to slip out and beat the crowd. Stay here. I believe that God's going to do something in here today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you again. Lord, we've had the, Paula felt earlier about the, the healing presence being in here today. Lord, we prayed for, the, for those that need healing in their bodies. Lord, we just thank you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that there's people in here today that need to be set free. Lord, bondages and addictions, God, that have, have dogged their life for, for weeks and years. God, we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. But God, we just want to tell you right now how much we love you. We desire to be with you. We just want to be with you right now, the King of glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.